The Watership Down podcast is intended for listeners who are familiar with the plot. There will be spoilers. This episode is scripted by Newell Fisher and Eric Steps and is recorded, edited and narrated by Newell Fisher. Hello and welcome to the Watership Down podcast episode 153 in which we'll be looking at season 3, episode 1 of the TV series and episode 27 of the series overall. The Last Battle. I had hoped for my long-term plans to film a winter site visit for this episode after my two episodes on Ephrafa between seasons one and two. However, the care situation at home has changed in a way that has made this impractical, for which I can only apologise. So instead we will press on with season three. First though, last week I put out an appeal on the YouTube channel for any contributions to last week's episode, and then missed the one I got from Eric Steps, again, for which I apologise. I really must keep a closer eye on the YouTube comments. Eric has an interesting position compared to me when it comes to the Watership Down TV series, and his comments here will provide a useful reminder about the first two seasons before we actually get into season three. He watched it when it was first broadcast in Germany in 2000 at age 11. It seems the TV series was very heavily marketed in Germany, more so than in the UK. Having become a fan of Watership Down after watching the TV series, Eric now feels free to be critical of it. To that extent, his views have been very grounding for me. Because my experience of the TV series is entirely different. When it was first broadcast, I was in my 30s and had no awareness of it whatsoever. Making a podcast about a TV series in this much detail means that you have to allow yourself to be drawn into a kind of gentle Stockholm syndrome by it, where you can be far too forgiving at its worst aspects. So Eric's comments are quite relevant at this point, as we go into the season that moved furthest away from the original story. Quote, I would say this for the first two seasons after re-watching them. The series feels like a rather clumsy attempt to correct the mistake from 1978, aiming Watership Down at a younger audience without traumatising them. There is little in the series which can traumatise children, that is true. On the other hand, the series is not able to really catch the charm of the novel and the original movie. The plot is poorly adapted and very quickly loses any resemblance. Instead, we are getting fillers en masse and a disnification of the rabbits. Drastic changes of the series, like making Blackberry a female rabbit and adding with Hannah the Mouse another major female character, are nice ideas to represent females more in the story, something which, for which Adam's novel was always criticised. Unfortunately, the series doesn't know what to do with these characters. Blackberry is getting in the first season all the tricks and ideas her male, counter, her male counterpart in the book and movie already has, and is from then on nothing more than an extra. Until the last episode of season two, she barely appears or has any meaningful dialogue, and Hannah, on the other hand, feels too much like a sidekick of Kihar, but she at least has some moments to shine, for example when she infiltrates Ephrafa. The major plot point of the series, the conflict with Ephrafa, is done poorly. Hazel and Woonwalt meet already on even terms as chief rabbits in episode 5, bereftening the series of one of its greatest moments in book and movie. And then Ephrafa is dumbed down for the rest of the series. Or can someone tell me why such a highly organised warrant that is specialised on long journeys and tracking is not able to find Warship Down for what must be over a year, and even then has to rely on luck? Without a second season, the last two or three episodes of season one could have easily been easily the siege of Warship Down, and given the series a satisfying ending. On the other hand, is Ephra much more fleshed out in the series than it was in the movie? Woundwalt's tragic backstory is addressed. He has moments where he shows rabbitry, can you call it that, and is not just a bloodthirsty tyrant who wants to destroy. 
With Vervain, we have a perfect hateable character, for he is depicted as a bully who cherishes in downgrading and tyrannising the weak, but himself is running or shying away from any danger he is facing. And then there is Campion, who is by far the best character in this series, a brave and loyal captain with a lot of skills, who is getting in the uncomfortable position where he wants to help the watership down rabbits to survive, but also doesn't want to be disloyal to his chief wound wart. If I'm honest, I would have liked season two much more if they would have given us more Campion-only episodes, instead of all these boring and needless fillers that are completely forgettable the moment you saw the end credits. So in the end, we have a mess of a series with a lot of continuity errors and mainly the same characters always in focus. Basic rabbit behaviour that Adams so carefully put into his book is mostly ignored. Pipkin is a cub for over a year, even if we know that rabbits reach their full size in not even half a year. Same with the cubs of Hazel and Primrose, who will be cubs for the whole series. Instead, we see rabbits befriend birds, hedgehogs, bats, and even see them even fight against woundwort. We see rabbits that took a tour of the sea to the sea or even celebrating something like Christmas. Nothing for which I remembered and cherished the original novel and the movie. And in the end, it took not long for this series to be completely forgotten. When people talk of Watership Down, they still remember the traumatising movie from 1978 and reacting shocked when they hear that an almost Disney-like adaptation was aired at the end of the century. End quote. Thank you, Eric. Before we continue, I'm still showcasing Watership Down themed art on the same basis as before. The usual image is replaceable for an episode with your own art. Details in the notes. So then, let's look at the only fully portrayed example in the entire Watership Down storytelling universe of one Warren completely destroying another Warren. This is going to be a little awkward. TV series, Season 3, Episode 1, The Last Battle By sheer unhappy coincidence, the 27th episode of the Watership Down TV series was first broadcast in Canada on the 11th of September 2001. Yes, that 11th of September. It was written by Mary Crawford and Alan Templeton, and its slightly spoilerish German title was Campion Lives. There will be a link to the episode in the notes. The first episode of the third season begins with a recap from Fiverr, whose voice is accompanied by a montage of dramatic images from the first two seasons. What Fiverr says can be summed up as follows. The rabbits of Watership Down have been through a lot to find their home in the high hills, but Woundwort is determined to destroy the peace they have found, so now they have no choice but to fight for the future of Watership Down. At this point, the montage moves seamlessly into the main titles, which are very different to seasons one and two. Gone is the calm, almost pastoral music. Instead, we hear a dramatic orchestral piece, which is accompanied by dramatic shots from season three, which seem to mainly consist of rabbits being angry or scared, as well as quite a bit of fire. We also catch a glimpse of what can only be the Black Rabbit of Inlay. The titles end calmly with a shot of the tree on Watership Down at sunset, and the words watership down in a harsher font than before. We know straight away that this series is going to be very different. It turns out that the rock the rabbits of watership down used to seal the tunnel that Campion was trapped under has caused a general collapse in the entire tunnel system, even though there was no indication of this at the end of the last episode. 
Woundwater and his Owlsler, having been forced to abandon the attack on Watership Down, are now running for their lives. Ravane manages to get himself trapped within a ring of stalactites that fall from the cave roof, and Woundwort has to turn back to get him out. As the cave collapse reaches its height, Woundwort and Vervain are washed out of the formerly secret entrance by a wave of water in the underground stream, ending up of the fur on the further bank of the stream it runs into, supposedly part of the river Test. The Ephraf and Alzor are in a bad way. Woundwort tells Captain Moss to report. Moss informs Woundwort that they have lost over half the troop, along with Captain Campion. Woundwort says he gave his life for him. Vervain tries to remind Woundwort that Campion betrayed Ephrafa, but Woundwort is having none of it. Campion's name will be legend. As for Hazel and his outsiders, they will suffer for what they have done. Woundwort swears revenge, presumably on top of the revenge he already swore in season one. Back in the caves, Hazel is saying to Bigwig and Fiverr that Campion's sacrifice has to mean something. Bigwig suggests taking the war to Ephrafa. Hazel agrees, calling it the war to end all wars. They will attack Ephrafa while they are still recovering from what has just happened. Fiverr is looking nervous. He says he doesn't think Campion is gone. Hazel reassures him that Campion will be alive in their hearts, but they now have to gather an army. As they leave, we see the collapsed rocks shift slightly. Back at Ephrafa, Moss, newly promoted to captain, is talking to a doe named Heather, who is a new character with a Welsh accent and an attitude. This accent is because she was captured from another warren, it seems. Captain Moss asks Heather if she would go back to her old warren if she could escape. Heather asks him to clarify. Moss replies by asking her if someone were to lead a resistance movement in Ephrafa, would she be interested in joining? Well, this is new. Previously, Moss has been fiercely loyal to Woundwort, but it seems the loss of over half his comrades got, has got him thinking. They are interrupted by a rant from Woundwort as he shouts from the main warren that he has not been defeated and never will be defeated. He orders his captains to assemble. Moss says he has to go, but they will speak further. Another Auslamover orders Heather to line up with her mark. Back on Wardship Down, Hazel is asking Pipkin to find Darkling and Tassel and ask them if the bats and squirrels will stand with them. Hannah and Kihar also ask Drumlin the Mole if his tribe will help with digging. Bigwig adds that they will also need Bark the Badger's help. A slightly scared Fiverr says he will go and see her. Blackberry, amused, offers to go with him. Just a quick question. What reason do these other creatures have to help Wardship Down? I know the rabbits of the down, on the down have cultivated relationships with them, but we have seen no evidence whatsoever that Ephrafa is any kind of threat to anyone besides other rabbits and Delil. I'm probably overthinking this. Back at Ephrafa, Woundwort is working his way through his conflicted emotions in front of his captains. As soon as Vervain reinforces Woundwort's statement that he, he can never be defeated, Woundwort jumps off his podium and asks him what happened in the caves. They ran like mice from a cat. Vervain tries saying that Campion betrayed them and turned away from Woundwort's glorious light. Woundwort aggressively calls him a liar. Campion's heart was true. There was no defeat. Ephrafa won the battle. As soon as one of his captains agrees with him, he shouts that they are all weak, cowardly liars. They lost. 
Woolwort tells them all to fight him, and attacks his own Owsler to show them he is unbeatable. As they try to fight back, Moss, grim-faced, backs away into the shadows. Like megalomaniacs down the ages, Woundwalk blames their defeat on those around him, not on his own poor decisions. Fiverr and Blackberry are back in the orchard and briefly discuss Blackberry's feelings about losing Campion. As soon as they meet Bark, she picks Fiverr up and enthusiastically agrees to join the fight. She then carries her friend Fiverr as they set off to watership down. He isn't happy about this, Blackberry giggles. Meanwhile, Pipkin has reached the cave where Darkling lives. Darkling says that war is bad. Pipkin agrees and says he knows this isn't their fight. But Darkling says Pipkin's fight is their fight. Hannah and Kihar arrive back on Watership Down to report that all the local wildlife are on their way. Bigwig says this will be glorious, but is rebuked by Hazel, who says there is nothing glorious about war. Bigwig concedes this, but says he just wishes Campion were here to see the end of Ephrafa. Cut to the caves beneath Watership Down. The rocks shift again, and a mutilated Campion emerges. One of his ears is ripped in half, and one side of his face is scarred and has no fur, its eye bruised shut. Back at Ephrafa, Woundworth announces that they will attack at dawn. He orders the army assembled. Vervain tries to point out two problems. They don't actually know where to attack, and there isn't much of an army left. Woundworth dismisses the first point as a detail, and says the slaves will have to fight as well as the does and the young rabbits. That should work well. Moss looks on, concerned. Meanwhile, Heather is trying to get favours from an Owsler member. Moss sees and places him on report for consorting with slaves. Having got rid of him, Moss tells Heather about Woundward's insane plan. They have to move fast. She is to gather everyone who wants to fight for their freedom. Heather asks why they should trust him. Moss held Campion in very high regard. Seeing how he defied Woundwort has clearly made him rethink his loyalties. Heather says they will stand with him. Moss says they will make their move at dawn. Back on Warship Down, the honeycomb is packed with wildlife. Broom complains to Primrose that they never involved other creatures in fights in his day. Hazel, with Bigwig's assistance, calls the gathering to order. There follows a rousing speech from Hazel about standing together and how this last battle will bring peace for all time. There's rapturous cheering from those gathered. The injured Campion lies alone in the deep caves. A shadow moves over him and manifests as the Black Rabbit of Inlay. Campion says he is ready to go with him, but the Black Rabbit says his time has not yet come. He has a dark trail to follow before they meet for the last time. Campion says he doesn't understand. What does the Black Rabbit want him to do? The reply, as Campion collapses, is that he will know when the time comes. Campion deliriously asks Blackberry to wait for him. Bigwig is getting down to specifics, telling the gathering that they are all assigned to units and to obey orders when Fiverr suddenly has a vision and repeats Campion's previous words to Blackberry. He goes on, saying, The long black trail leads through sorrow and night. Follow your heart and you'll come to the light. Blackberry asks what he meant by Blackberry wait for me, but he doesn't know. 
Bigwig finishes his orders by saying that they will gather by the stone bridge after sunset. Kihar will act as Pathfinder. As the assembled creatures leave for the battle, Hannah, riding on Kihar's back, wonders if this really will be the last battle. A thunderstorm is approaching. Possibly a reference to the flight to the test in the original novel. Captain Broom is unhappy about being left behind to look after the youngsters. He has a point. In just the last episode, he seemed to handle himself against the Afrafans well enough. The last of the army of Warship Down leave for the battle. As a thunderstorm approaches, Campion limps into the main warren on Warship Down to find it empty. He begins to despair, saying the world is empty and asking the Black Rabbit what he must do as he emerges above ground. Kihar flies over Ephrafa, and Hannah notices how lightly guarded he is. Kihar says this will be easy, but Hannah warns against jinxing the attack. At the stone bridge, the army of Watership Down has gathered. Everyone is ordered to stay hidden until the bridge is clear. The bridge has to be taken as the blocking of the caves has made directly accessing the far bank impossible. Two water rats, who seem to be enjoying themselves, are ordered to swim the river and distract the two Ephrafan guards. They do this by using their tails to launch rocks at them. As soon as the guards are distracted, Hazel and Bigwig break cover and barge the two guards off the bridge and into the river. Kihar and Hannah now arrive to report how lightly guarded Ephrafa is. Bigwig says they should attack straight away, but Hazel insists they must wait until the moment of maximum confusion when the storm actually breaks overhead. Bigwig says Hazel has a right nasty mind. He's glad he's on their side. The army crosses the bridge and arrives at Ephrafa. Underground, Woundwort is sleeping and having disturbing dreams with flashbacks to the loss of Campion underneath Watership Down. He cries out as he wakes up, then says to Vervain that Campion betrayed him. It is phrased as a rhetorical question. But, he adds, Campion then saved him, so he didn't hate Woundwort, he just hated what he had done to his people. Just as his warren is about to be attacked, Woundwort seems to be having an epiphany. He says that to establish an empire you need force, but to maintain it you need kindness. He asks the universe in general what has he done, and leaves the burrow, leaving a confused vervain behind. Does he know what is coming? It's easy to become a better person suddenly when you know you're about to suffer the consequences of not being one, or is this genuine? It is too late to find out. The storm breaks, and as torrential rain begins, the army of Watership Down begins storming Ephrafa. Underground, Heather wakes up to the alarm being raised. Moss arrives and says this is their chance. Panicked rabbits are running everywhere in Ephrafa. Whether our Owsler are going to fight or slaves trying to escape is unclear. And then Woundwater and Vervain arrive. Vervain asks what they should do. End this war, is Woundwater's reply. Scared rabbits run past them, crying freedom. Above ground, rabbits pour out of Ephrafa. Some of them attack their attackers, but most are just running away. Hazel shouts to Primrose and Blackberry to lead them away. Immediately, an aggressive Ephrafan confronts some escapees, but is knocked over by the two does. Hazel is confronted by a lop-eared brute who is promptly bombarded with rocks from the air by Hannah before being attacked by bats. Another Ephrafan confronts an aggressive hawk-bitten dandelion, but is harried by birds before the two rabbits take him down and deal with him out of sight. 
Meanwhile, the moles and water rats are chewing at the roots of the twisted, overhanging tree of Ephrafa. The escaping moss and heather are confronted by two Ephrafan Owsler, but the arrival of Bark the Badger soon deals with them. Bark is seen running into Ephrafa. We do not see her again. Woundwalt and Vervain arrive, presumably via a hidden exit by the tree of Ephrafa above. Woundwalt looks about him in horror and cries out, Stop this war! But he has chosen precisely the worst moment to become a pacifist. A bolt of lightning strikes the tree of Ephrafa, setting it on fire. The roots begin to lift, and as the ground itself cracks behind the tree, Woundwalt falls into this fresh chasm, just about managing to cling onto its edge. Vervain cries out, General, but this has always been a cry for help from him. Now that the general needs his help, he mutters, forgive me, and runs away. General Woundwalt manages to haul himself out of the chasm, but there is a fresh lightning strike that opens up the ground even more. With a desperate cry, Woundwalt has his hands groove a moment as he falls into the chasm at last and is buried by falling earth. The burning tree of Ephrafa falls. Ephrafa is destroyed. An Ephraim fighter lands in front of the watching rabbits of Watership Down and bows to them. All the other remaining Ephraim Owsler follow suit. Fiverr says, it's over. We won. There is general cheering as the fallen tree of Ephraim burns. It is the following morning now. Everyone has left the site of the former Ephraim except for Hazel, Bigwig and Fiverr who sits surveying the site of the wrecked warren. Fiverr says that he can't believe Windwater is finally gone. His reign of terror is over. Hazel says he wishes there had been another way. Bigwig says there wasn't. They leave. We hear birdsong. It is a lovely sunny day. A paw emerges from the wreckage of Ephrafa, followed by the rest of Windwart. The departing fiver hesitates, looking back for a moment, before continuing on his way. Woundort hauls himself free and surveys his destroyed warren. His initial shock is replaced by anger. He addresses the world in general, saying, If destruction be my legacy, then let it begin. Is it canon? Although this episode is very exciting, not to say satisfying, I must admit that I have a bit of a problem with it. So I'm sorry if I don't just bask in the warmth of Watership Down's complete victory over Ephrafa. The fact that it was first broadcast on 9-11, a quarter of a century ago, is just an unfortunate coincidence, obviously. But that unfortunate coincidence did make me look at it in a slightly different light. Let's recap. This is an episode in which one warren is destroyed during an attack by another warren. But the warren that is destroyed is Ephrafa, and the attacking warren, along with their wildlife coalition, is Watership Down. So that's okay then. And because this is an animation aimed at children, the attack is coded in a way that makes it look as if no one dies, at least no one we see die. Combatants are just roughed up a bit, Woundwort survives somehow, and all innocent Ephrafans apparently escape unharmed. So that's okay then. 
What's more, the actual events that ensure Ephrathah's destruction, the earlier unintentional wider collapse of the cave system under Warship Down, wiping out half the Ephrathah and Ausler, and the very convenient double lightning strike on the already sabotaged tree of Ephrathah during the battle, seem to imply some kind of divine intervention by Frith, or the Black Rabbit, in favour of the righteous warrior on Warship Down. So that's okay then. Except that it isn't really, is it? In actual fact, an attack such as this would result in many deaths, including of non-combatants. In the frenzy of battle it would be unavoidable. But animations aimed at children always sanitise such things. Is it right that they do that? Or does it give a false impression of the reality of war? After all, propaganda designed to entice adults into fighting in wars usually emphasises the glory, not the danger and suffering. I'm also reminded very much of discussions I've seen over the years as to what it takes for good people to do bad things. One answer to that question is genuinely feeling that you have no alternative. Even if actually you do. It's just that such alternatives can be difficult to see in the face of anger and are a lot less glorious for those who seek glory. In fact, they are the kind of solutions that the Hazel of the novel would tend to prefer. I really like storytelling universes that directly address just how easy it is to end up on the wrong side, such as the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings universes, but definitely not such as episode 27 of the Watership Down TV series, despite Hazel's expression of regret right at the end. Because they have real sober lessons to teach us all. And as someone who has managed to take the wrong side myself in world events in the past, I think this is a very important subject for all of us to take on board. But hey, this is just an animation aimed at children, right? It's not as if fiction aimed at children is ever intended to teach them ethical values, is it? And thank goodness, none of what I said above has any relevance whatsoever to anything happening in the world at the start of February in the year 2024. Sorry to end this one on a down note, but although this is not a political podcast, no, honestly... The material that inspired it definitely is at times, even if it is not a direct allegory according to its author. Oh, and before I forget, not canon. Because in Richard Adams' version of events, Ephrathah survived and became a better place to live in. I guess that's the version of events you're more likely to get when it's written by someone who has actually lived through and served in the largest war in human history. Next time, having won the war, the rabbits of Watership Down have to begin winning the peace. Mm -hmm.